For January 23rd, 2020, it's the Lullabot Podcast. It's the Lullabot Podcast, episode 244. I'm Matt Cleave, the senior developer at Lullabot. With me, as always, co-host of the show, senior front-end dev, Mike Herschel. Hey, Mike. Hey, Matt. How are you doing? Pretty darn decent. And you know what? Um, today, we're on the Lullabot Podcast. We talk about all things Lullabot. Lullabot is a strategy design development agency. Um, does web work primarily with Drupal, right? Yes. Drupal's a PHP content management system? Yes, that is correct. PHP's a programming language that works well with the web? Yes. The internet is a series of tubes? Yes. I don't know how far we're going to go with this. <laughs> today, we're not talking about any of that. No, we're not. Uh, today, we're talking about logos. And with us, we have uh, one of the... Logos? Like, like logos. make the yeah. logo bigger, put it on the internet? So I guess we're almost <laughs> talking about that. <laughs> That's how it works. Well, some, some of you may know, if you follow Lullabot, um, our beloved red robot is slightly different now. Yes. So we're going to talk about the folks that uh, were behind that. Mm-hmm. Uh, with us, we have uh, the owner and namesake of Draplin Design Company. He's from the Midwest, but he lives in Portland, Oregon. Welcome, Aaron Draplin. Aaron, can you maybe uh, tell us some of the things that you're most proud of over your career and maybe some of the things that you've done? Yeah. Um, hi, everybody. Aaron Draplin here, uh, 46 years old, uh, waking up after a long night of... Uh, <laughs> backyard. Uh, what am I most proud of? Uh, well, I make logos and I, uh, I uh, scheme up little things like field notes. And those are, you know, built in Chicago with Jim Kudal and the gang. And um, I go on the road and I talk about myself, which is weird, uh, and, and do workshops and things. I have a series of skill shares that are violently have been violently successful and amazing. I can't believe it. Uh, what else? Um, we sell, uh, you know, a, a ton of merch and make our own merch. So I think the, to kind of wrap up, we put a little bow on that. The thing I'm most proud of is um, being somewhat, you know, none of us are perfectly independent, but it's been pretty close. And, and yes, the, the moment one of these, um, we'll just say larger entities hit me up, I'm, I'm right back on the clock for them doing something, right? But 99% was uh, working for my friends and below, you know, uh, something that was a long shot that came to me and, and uh, there was no budget. There was a tiny little budget or it was weird on the other end. It would be a, a, a large budget, but I always attacked it from a way of like, you know, how do we make this thing most effective w without it being this thing um, where I didn't want to be there? You know, I've, I've had that job where I didn't want to be there. And I, I remember that taste in my mouth. What I'm most proud of is the last 15 years, um, I've kind of been on my own, you know, working out of a series of either basements or uh, overpriced studios downtown and now my backyard, right? And and from my hand, like I get to kind of control it. And what it's allowed me to do is uh, get pretty far ahead. So, uh, uh, and, and, and I, you know, I mean, I make all these jokes about not wearing pants, but I, I don't have to wear pants, you know, I mean, the idea... <laughs> Well, I mean, there, there, there's no fashion show here and there's no, you know, sort of keeping up with the Joneses of like someone, uh, you know, grading me or something. Really, it's a link that I send off. And, and that I'm, I'm just really, I'm really, I'm really proud to have been able to hide, you know, in a lot of respects. 
So That's awesome. Also with us today, just uh, before we get too deep into this, we have uh, Lullabot's creative director. He's worked with clients like the Grammys, This Old House, NBC, MSNBC, SpaceX, and much, much more. Welcome, Jared Ponchot. Hey, Jared. Hey, happy to be here. Jared, do you wear pants when you're working remotely? I generally wear pants, but that's in part because my studio space is kind of built out underneath my house in a daylight basement. It's always mm-hmm. the coldest part of the house. So the, the no pants thing is while an option um, isn't, you know, isn't as warm as I like, especially Gerald, this time of the year. Jared hails from Georgia. So sometimes cool is nice, I'm sure. Yeah. And I actually have a poster in my studio here that is a, a Georgia poster, but it happens to be designed and made by none other than Aaron Draplin. Ooh. All according to plan. Good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> had that thing for years. Good. So, Mike, we're a little bit out of our, our, our wheelhouse here, talking design and logos and all that cool stuff. So let's just kind of maybe facilitate. Jared, you reached out to Aaron um, when you wanted to work on Lullabot's logo, right? Yeah. Well, what was the process behind the logo? Like, I, I, I know we we were looking at doing, did we attempt it ourselves? Why, if so, did we? Why couldn't we? I don't know. Yeah, that's a funny one. Aaron may have opinions on that. The, the the number of great designers I know who, when it came time to do their own agency's logo, said, there's no way I should do this myself is actually, you know, quite a lot. I've heard it's a kind of a common thread I've from talking to kind of other designers at other shops and stuff. Um, so I think it is somewhat common for people to say, I want to work with somebody great at that. And, you know, there's a... Uh, it's almost like it's too precious when it's your own thing. So you need somebody from the outside to come in and say, you know, what about like this? Um, but it's funny. It was a long process. I, you know, I joined Lullabot going on 10 years ago and Lullabot when it was, when it was founded back in, what was that 2006, I guess. Um, Jeff Robbins and Matt Westgate started it. And Jeff, the, both of them were, developers, Drupal developers, and they started this company to, you know, join forces with these bigger organizations trying to build big websites. And, you know, I think their first big project was MTV UK. They needed a logo. Jeff was, you know, coming off of being dropped by uh, A&M Records. And he was, a you know, his made his living as a rock star before <laughs> Lullabot. And he knew how to do band shirts and stuff. And he was like, we need a logo. And so he just made it himself. Uh, he's not a logo designer, but he wanted something that would look good on a t-shirt and that he thought people would want to wear, um, which, you know, worked for the company for a good while. When I came to the company, um, the, it was already a very beloved thing within the Drupal community, like the Lullabot robot, you know, was on stuff and people had it all over their computers at Drupal cons and, stuff like that. And so I was reluctant to push for change, even though I felt like this thing could be better. Um, when I came, the, the lockup was the name Lullabot in aerial rounded outlined type. And I was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And it used to say, it used to say lullabot.com, right? And the .com was smaller. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, yeah, there were there were an array of problems there. Um, but uh, so I I did some nips and tucks early on to the to the lockup, but really didn't. I think I took so 
for a guy who says who looks yeah. at ones and zeros, what do you mean by that? Uh, the lockup is so you you many uh, corporate identities have. I feel like Aaron should be talking about this. There's like <laughs> a there's a a word mark, and then there's this thing called the logo mark. Um, and then there's also a thing people refer to as a lockup, which is when you put the word mark with the logo mark, if that okay. makes sense. Like so, like what, what the sticker was at that time, right? Yeah. So when you see yeah. the Nike swoosh, you're seeing the logo mark. When you see the Nike swoosh with, or when you see just the words Nike in that, you know, oblique, heavy sans serif, that's the word mark. And when you see them together, that's the lockup. I gotcha. Okay. Sorry. Sorry to distract. I just, I... I was no, unaware no. of the termino term terminology. Right. So, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so there was a long process and then we, when we finally, it was actually a couple of years ago when I kind of started pushing, you know, we're, we're a legitimate agency. Now we do strategy and design. Like we've, we've got to have a logo that at least passes as professional for ourselves, even if we're not doing logo projects like, um, and we started doing some work around defining what, we wanted to achieve with our logo and what we wanted to keep and what we wanted to change and that kind of stuff. At the time, I think our biggest challenge was we felt like there was just some real execution problems with the logo. And so we wanted to hire somebody from the outside that was, you know, a really great iconographer. And in that early process, we worked with a freelancer named George Bakua, who does a lot of icon work. And he showed us a whole bunch of ideas. They were all kind of a, like a totally different robot than what we had. And that was kind of enlightening to us because we realized nobody was really going to like this if it didn't feel like the next version of the Lullabot robot. Um, so we kind of went back to the drawing board as a design team and we did a bunch of sketching. We did um, Microsoft and I want to say Donald Norman years ago kind of pioneered this process called, it was like desirability studies where you kind of, identify certain words that dis that define emotions that people you want people to have when they look at something like a logo or whatnot. And then you can use that for testing. So you could stick something in front of somebody and see where they fall on the spectrum. Like, I think this is way more, you know, aggressive or whatever. And so we did some of that kind of stuff also to try to hone in on what is it that's working? Why do people love this lullabot robot? Um, we had this mess of stuff, all these sketches and ideas for what it might look like roughly to to keep something in the same family that's the next version and what we wanted to do. And as a design team, we said, let's make a list like of our dream list. Like if we could hire any logo designer that you think could nail this. And we made a list and the top name on that list was Aaron Draplin. We were like, if we were going to work with somebody who could bring the kind of professional touch, craft and quality to a logo, but have the logo still be fun, which was one of the key things, you know, that kind of kept coming out of all the, the research we had with our past employees, current employees and stuff was like, it needed to feel fun and friendly. Um, we were like, man, Aaron would be awesome. And, so I shot him an email and like he was just saying, maybe Aaron, you can talk more about this. Like I, I, when we talked as a design team, I was like, I don't really know if Aaron even takes on projects that are more like for a friend, fun, smaller. Cause I'm aware of the stuff that he does that kind of makes news and stuff. So um, we were pretty delighted when he was willing to work with us. So I, I take things that, that, um, that, uh, generate paychecks um right <laughs> you know, 
<laughs> paper you can cash and, and you pay bills uh-huh. uh, and things. It, well, I mean, it's really li- fun listening to this because, you know, Jared, you have a, a, a it's a really, I mean, you know, usually people don't know what the hell they're talking about. And, and I'll, I'll add myself to that list, you know, um, you know what this thing needs to do. And that's what I liked about this. It was the first time we talked. I didn't really know that George Bakuba, who is a force of nature, you know, must, maybe I did I, because that makes me suddenly sort of like, um, like, uh, you know, like uh, sort of clench up and be like, uh Oh, what? Did I <laughs> well, I mean, to be, to be clear, he did some amazing stuff that just was like, this would be awesome for some other company that needs a robot. Right. It right. just, which is really surprising to me because what you know that guy's about refinements. I mean, what I would like to say is, I, I'm not really a, a designer on this project. It's more of a refiner. Like mm-hmm. it, it didn't need a new logo, and I probably said that. I can't remember what we talked about the first time. Hopefully, it was something smart, and maybe some you know something you know you know. Hopefully, it was something good that we talked about that first. But you know, this thing needed to, just needed to like uh, just a little bit of love for uh how to make it the size of like your 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 pinky fingernail and mm-hmm. then make it work on a t-shirt but where i was seeing it was only golf ball and above you know like only it, it, you couldn't jam it down into these machines and and, and you know uh, or even and i don't know what you call it, it's in the top of my like the tab on my my web browser it works there now like a, right? fa- a fav icon a fav icon yeah yeah Favicon, you know, like that's where it needs to work because you know where are you guys doing business and where are you guys, um, you know, what's the scariest part of what you guys do? It might be probably like some sort of a brief or uh, a contract, and those are easier things because they're just a PDF that someone signs or something. But that's that's where the money starts coming in, and then you guys go to work, and it's like, you know, what's interesting about this is you guys built a good business, and the and the business was chugging along, and some of these clients that you were thrown out there. Those are big things. But what happens with this kind of stuff, it's like restaurants. Restaurants cook good food. They have a good menu. They have a good staff, but they become, and it's not, afterthought might sound a little offensive or something, but no, your, your focus is other places like getting, mm-hmm. clients, getting stuff out the door. Everything is working enough. So what happens with a restaurant is when they do an audit and they take a look and they go, wow, what's the menu look like? And what's the business card look like? And what's the sign outside? Sometimes it's all sort of just, it's different enough to where they just need someone to come in and sort of equalize things. And that's what I like about this stuff is there is no big sash that I get to wear with this and say, well, look what I did for Lullaby. It's not really about that. This is good work. And I I sized that up pretty quick with my first couple calls with, with Jared was just sort of like, they just need a little help getting over, getting it close to that sort of finish line. It's really close. It's, it does look like, you know, like it was successful. And I, I, I probably said that from the get go too. It's like, this isn't bad. It mm-hmm. just be able to be refined down. What are the opportunities? You know, one of the things that when you came up on it, like I'm doing this thing right now where, and it's a, it's a hell of a cast of characters. Some of the names that are going to be involved in this thing, but these guys hit me up about talking about the Apple logo. And what's interesting is the bigger the name, the more polarizing it got. Like people were just ready to slam the Apple logo. And really all I could say was this thing was playful. Like I got to just spend the last 25 years of my life investing in these little items and the most beautiful laptop to this day, when I sit down, 
in the first class next to some guy named Steve, who's instantly vetting me like I have the wrong seat. And, and he's instantly looking over my shoulder like, what is it that you do? And I pull out this slick piece of machinery. It's probably overpriced, sure. But my reaction to their, you know, what do you think of the Apple logo? It was like, I was able to work on beautiful equipment that worked, that was, it didn't take itself too seriously as far as that logo would look like. And like the way that I approach everything, I wasn't in, in there to say it was good or bad. All I could say was my experience with this thing. And, and it would be the same way as if I looked at the Drupal community and say, are you guys the serious ones? Are you guys the wacky ones? Are you guys the ones who haven't even, you've been so busy and sort of successful. You haven't had time to think about that because those are the questions. It's like, that thing was playful the first time I saw it. But the problem is if you just took it and just simply jammed it down, you'd lose the eyebrows. You know, you would lose mm -hmm. certain feel. So a lot of what, you know, my favorite logo designers out there, it's not really, you know, Bakula is really interesting because he's, you know, the guy's really good, you know, and it's, I, I don't know if those are paying things or they're just things that he's playing with for himself. Um, the moves are really, really nice. But sometimes it's like my favorite guys are the ones that just, it's function first. How does it work at the size of, you know, 10 by 10 pixels? And then how does it work, you know, all the way up to the biggest, funnest application, which might be, I don't know, on the side of a van or something fun for a big banner for you guys at some convention. But like a couple of years ago, a guy approached me and these are the same exact sorts of jobs where he was like, right out of the gates apologizing and saying, I know I'm not cool. I know I'm not this. I, don't, I just don't give a shit about any of that. Like that's not, there is no award at the end that said, I only got to work for, when I work for cool things, you're at the mercy of cool. You know what I mean? Like right. <laughs> you're really careful with that stuff because you get a bunch of flakes and you get a bunch of these yahoos from New York city or whatever the hell who are just, you know, drinking their own cool. <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny because it's like, that doesn't mean, it's going to be any better. The money certainly isn't going to be any better. It's more like you're just going to spend more time dinking around. Right. So when this, when this guy came to me and said, this isn't cool, it was awesome because it's just about execution that that still generated a paycheck for me. And I did what he needed to do. And the, the coolest part is we were designing at probably 15 by 15 pixels at certain times because where the rubber met the road for him. And this is, you know, my questions are not about how big are you or whatever. It's like, where, where do you do the job that you do? He was an IT guy and whatever software they were using, it allowed, this was crucial. It allowed them to put their logo down in the corner when, when you would, as part of their service, when you would, one of their guys would take over the machine of someone who's getting their stuff fixed. You know, what is like a remote window thing? Mm -hmm. So windows, I don't know what you call it. Like a little, just, you know, CMS would pop up and down in the corner, was their logo next to all the other little windows logos. That's 99.9% .9 of what they're doing, right? So we started there and then we worked our way up to the maybe one or two times that he would actually have the thing be the size of like an inch, you know, or an inch, which was like on the paycheck, you know? So I like those constraints. I like, you know, uh, looking at this a little bit differently and saying, how do we just make, how do we keep the spirit of this thing? And just make it work. So, you know, I'll quit talking now because I'm, I'm ball hogging already. You know, I'm already ball hogging. But, uh, you know, this is different than um, starting from the ground up and, and, and starting with a sketch. You guys had a lot of that stuff out of the way, you know. Yeah. 
as well, I remember actually when you sent us a proposal that the Ellie, our head of marketing, and I were like, "Yes, I, we hired. We're hiring the right guy because Aaron had the had a title on the top of his proposal that just said, I think it said, uh, Lullabot Robot Tune-Up." Yeah, and we were like, "Yeah, that was what we kept trying to as we were trying before trying to work with other people on it and stuff." We're like, "How do we get it across to them that it's what we're looking to do is not create a brand new logo. We're looking to refine our existing." And, what the that robot would tune up been a different project. If you came to me and you said like, um, I mean, in the end it, it's not the same thing, but yeah, it was pretty close. And it's like, that's, you know, what you run into. And I hear this, you know, I've been kind of stepping back from this stuff. Honestly, I've, I've, I've built such a monster for myself with my merch and going on the road and, uh, you know, just all these other weird, I, I think it's called passive income, you know, mm-hmm. That is a whole different beast than having to kind of hustle the next thing. So I'm really choosy now with what I take because it's not even about big or little. It's about what's the fastest way in and out, you know, and that might be with like a crusty friend's little, you know, food cart or something. I still get the buzz of like creating these things. But, you know, this thing, it's like if you start, you know, what you, what you run into is people want this thing for their portfolio, you know, and then that becomes an ego thing and it becomes a selfish thing where it's like, no, 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 no. We don't, we don't, we're not even going to mess with any of that stuff. Lullabot doesn't need that. They don't, you don't need to, we could have reinvented it and started over. It just needs to be boiled down and figure out, you know, figure out the little whiffs and does it need the little, I don't even know, you even call it the little beeper on the top of the head and does it need, you know, these are just tiny little things. So it's, it's, those are small moves, but they're powerful. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the buzz that I get out of that is just seeing it become successful for you guys. That's, that's enough of a paycheck sometimes for me. You know, I make it, I, I cover my rent and other things with lots of other things. Right. So when I go do these things, it's really interesting to me to just see like how minimal moves can go a long way, you know, and in the end we still, you know, we're tinkering with distances and uh, refinements and rounded edges and things. But here's the deal is when I go right now to the Lullabot site and I just see how it rests up in that corner, that's all it needs to do. You know, that's, I'm, I'm really, I'm really uh, proud of that. You know, it doesn't need to have uh, tons of eyebrows and things and stuff. You know, it still can feel approachable, you know, and here's the coolest part. If we jam that thing up, boom, up to a softball size, it's a kick-ass logo, you know, like it's, yeah. it's refined but really where you guys are sort of like working, it's going to work there, you know, where people are going to see it. So, For sure. What are eyebrows in the context of logos? What are eyebrows? I think he was talking about the changes to the lullabot eyes, right? Yeah. I, mean, like, I gotcha. Or, or just the sort of quality of like, uh, you know, what that can do. It looks puzzled. It looks, this little, this little creature looks, you know, like uh, come here, you know, like. Yeah, light. yeah or looks confused or something like it. Seriously, it is a couple degrees of angle and you can change that thing. And it's like, what's funny is when we just lost that thing, you know, whatever that was, like, you know, I have to go, I can't really remember the old all about logo, which wasn't all that bad. It just There's an article on our website um, called giving our beloved robot a tune up. And uh, on that, there's kind of a picture of the all about the old logo on a laptop. 
Um, so when you're thinking eyes, the old Lullabot logo had it, what it looked like was horizontal parentheses, and uh, the eyes were closed. It was maybe uh, sleepy or bashful. The picture in that article is actually from when I year like that's from 2008. It's like around when I first joined Lullabot. When, like I said, it was like this logo that had like everything was outlined, including the aerial rounded type. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty great. Which, which is. You know, there, there's phases of graphic design where, um, you know, like little archaeological uh, archaeological sediment or something like, yeah, and that's mm-hmm. look at the stickers on that on that machine. I'm looking at that uh, Drupal Camp thing, and I'll bet at that Drupal Camp, man. Now that that was a saucy get together, huh? <laughs> a lot of nefarious. Hey, I've been to some of these things. I know what happened. <laughs> so yeah, well, you see, you know, with the unleashing of even at that time, 2008s, we were still kind of catching up with like computers. We get to do whatever we want on computers. We get to make whatever we want. And even at that time, you can tell like that's a die cut sticker. Like who was figuring out how to make a die cut sticker? Well, look at the little, the little Firefox next to it. Like someone, the technology was catching up to where not only could you print whatever you wanted, you know, all these colors or outlines or things or stuff, but you could also have like a die cut in, in that, but, but that that's, that's dangerous because then you just print whatever you want. It doesn't necessarily mean that it works, you know, and you know, my favorite eras of graphic design, it's when it was really limited. Mm-hmm. And then see is you see really set, which by the way, never go out of style. You see these really sensible moves made that worked with crummy substrates, which would be like wood or you know like on cardboard and then when the ink hit the cardboard it would kind of shit out or something and it's like they understood how to deal with that stuff when you can print one-to-one you you tend to go a little too far you know so like sediment you go through and you can kind of go back and like what i you know that's amazing that's 12 years ago because i'll always be locked in 2004 because that's the year i went on my own you know and got to see you know what it was going to be like to just see if i could make it and you know, now that we're 16 years later from that thing, it's like, it's going back. It's things are going back to where it better work at the size of mm-hmm. you know, an icon on the back of this microphone. Right. But when you do that, you're not allowed to have 19 nicks and ticks and things and dingleberries and stuff. No, you're just allowed to have one simplified form. So when I'm on the road trying to explain this to, Oh, these grad students, man, just nothing but the worst. You have no future in design if it's going to the hands of the grad students from Yale, although I haven't spoken there. But I'm trying to tell them, like, listen, the bullshit you're doing right now, which is just the latest, it's, it's here comes a big old F word. It's just fashion. Be really careful with that because that's going to go away. And that's not... You know, look at, okay, I'm talking, you know, I'll do this little example. I'll say, let's look at the microphone I'm talking into. Let me just flip it around. I'm going to flip it around. I'm going to look at the end of it. There is graphic design at the, in the most unpretentious form because you flip it around the, the other way. And, you, you know, there's a big logo that says, you know, S-H-U-R-E or something. But you flip it around the other way and it's just the little icons that tell you how to plug it in or where it works with different, you know, uh, currents, you know, and, and, and volts and stuff that's the stuff that works because it can work in every country and that's the same thinking. So it's like the stuff I nerd out on is like when, before we had all this, you know, 
a million doors to, to open and choose from. There were just a couple. And when we only had that, we were making better decisions, you know, and you can see it in like, you know, patches when you go to like a, like a feed and seed in the Midwest, or you go to even a thrift store um, in Kansas and you go look at what the old farmer's hats look like, the trucker's hats and stuff at the thrift store, you're going to see incredible moves. And it's because you can only do one color into a patch, you know, so that thing better be effective. And it's no different. One color on the side of a combine. There's just something about that to learn from, you know, and I love, you know, when people kind of, you know, shit on the Midwest and, you know, fly over country and stuff. There's, I mean, there's graphic lessons there, of course. And, uh, you know, on a large, I don't know. It's just really interesting to me how it's going back to that. So I collect these things where it's like, wow, this is a big, big thing. IBM or Apple or something, or, you know, tonight with a critical eye, if you're listening to this thing and you're saying, God, what is this, you know, this gorilla even saying, you know, what is this trapping guy saying? Well, go to your iTunes, go to your app store, whatever platform you're on, and you'll see it there. You'll see it in the little tiny icons. What's the first thing you touch when you wake up in the morning? You're going to see minimal moves on tiny little apps on your phone, right? That's graphic design. That is all we tried to do for Lullabot, you know, is to make it be one of those. So you, you get past it quick and you get to work, you know, or you click on that thing and you sign in or whatever. So uh, before we go any farther, what, what, what's the musician thing here? Who was the rock and roller? That was Jeff Robbins. He's one of the two founders, the co-founders of Lullabot. So Jeff fronted a band called Orbit in the 90s that the the giant A&M records merger when in the era of like, if you remember there was like Britney Spears and all the boy bands and all these, and there was this giant record label merger. And when it happened, there was all this hoopla about it because it was like dead is the, you know, sort of rock band because there was all these rock bands that got dropped from A&M records when the merger happened. And his band was one of those. And that's actually was the impetus for him to start Lullabot. I think hmm. I want to say he he started doing web projects, which he had already kind of had some like interest in. And I may get his bio wrong, but I feel like he was somehow friends with Ringo Starr and like did a did a website for Ringo and then started taking some other small projects and needed help and connected with Matt Westgate through the Drupal community. And then there was a history with O'Reilly as well, if I recall correctly. He worked at O'Reilly Media, I think, before Orbit took off. Yeah, he was a he. In fact, he was a technical illustrator or something like that for O'Reilly Media and worked on the Global Network Navigator Project, which was like the the first commercial website, I think. Yeah. Yep. That sounds right. Um, Yeah. So. uh, so with with Jeff and his, you know, Rockstar, it's I, I want this logo to look good on a T-shirt. Does it still look good on a T-shirt? Does it look better on a T-shirt? What do you guys think? I haven't seen a T-shirt yet. I need a T-shirt. Yeah, we'll know soon. We just <laughs> we actually just placed an order for for shirts that we're going to give everybody at our retreat next week. So ah. yeah, it, it, what it, what's funny is like the one of the things that was actually awkward, you know, we had this kind of list of things uh that were like defining 
what's actually like what do we want to avoid when we if we if we improve this thing and change it what do we want to like leave behind so to speak and one of them was like the shape of the old logo because it had this hulking torso and the smaller floating head with smaller floating bits around said floating head made for like some awkward like while it looked good on its own really large on a t-shirt like people thought it was fun you know it looked friendly and fun and it was just this big hulking robot like you, as soon as you started to try to put anything next to it or above or below it, it there was just the sh- negative space was actually quite awkward and and so but then the other thing was like it didn't hold together from afar as well and I, one of the things I love about the system that Aaron helped us make was we've now got like this version that's like knocked out of a circle. And it's like, to me, that's the dream is when you, for some of the bigger stuff we do to being able to have like a, something knocked out of a circle is like, it's so much easier to like place it and pair it with other things and whatnot. Cause it's like, you almost can't go wrong. Um, what do you mean so by I'm that? A, I'm, I'm, I'm not smart like you, Jared. What do you mean by well, having it? Knocked a out circle, of a circle? A circle doesn't have any changes, no matter which side you put something in near or around it, like it's always going to have the same negative space properties. Like, so it's not where, like, instead of being a strange, irregular shape, uh, which means it looks great when you have a word mark to the left, to the right of it. But if you try to put it above it, it looks terrible or they don't hold together because there's no clear proximal relationships like, you know, there that, you know, it has a visual relationship to this little antenna that's sticking up, but that's about it. Or I don't know. Well, I, I think the, I think the, the battle is if you, you know, hmm, I'm not, it's like you, people are designing for water bottle and below, right? Like, they're not, they're, I mean, that's the fun part now. You guys have to make some t-shirts or make some stickers or something. And this stuff will work there. But the test is like the laptop. And if mm-hmm. you, that, that shape, which is kind of like this kind of empire state building shape, which is whether or not he's smiling, you know, this the old rover or is a he or a she or whatever it is. It's just that shape is, is problematic because it's going to really, you know, whatever you let you land that thing on, something is going to have to, you know, work in the, in the sort of angle where it, that negative space on the side of that, you see what I'm saying? It's like, you're, you're creating problems for other things. And you right. know, this, it's like when you go back, <clears throat> you know, listen, people do it all the time. You know, you look at action sports and you see, this is our logo. This is what we do. But the proof is on our phones and stuff. And on these devices, that little icon shape, which is just this rounded corner square, that's like cellular, Right. And it works on this. I mean, if you boil us down all the way down to a cellular level and keep on going into the quantum, you know, entanglement or whatever the hell, where it's like, it's just relationships. It's easier to think in terms of like simple little just dots, you know, and there's just something about that where it's like what we tried to do is where it's, when it's allowed to float, like it is up on the, you know, on the header of, of the blog right now, or, or excuse me, that, that website or go to where it's going to be out in the world, it needs to work well with others. And, you know, that test is like, how's this thing going to look when someone, you know, says, I work for this place. I want to put it on my, my water bottle. I want to put it on my laptop. I want to put it in my backpack on a patch. It'll work on all three of those. That's the test, you know, is to be right. able to, you know, and then not, 
you know, like if you took this thing and just blew it up to a foot wide on a t-shirt, that might not be who you guys are and just listening to how you talk. But if you put it, some other piece of art on the, on the, on the front of the shirt, and then this little lullaby on the, on the sleeve and a tiny little one hit of red, that might be who you guys are. And that's how where you get to use it that way. It's like a deck of cards. You know, what we're trying to build is, there's a lot of ways you could play it, but every one of them sort of works. And, you know, like anything, it's like the building blocks of how to, you know, uh, where is it safe? And then where is it going to be volatile? Well, you, that's when you go to these, these sort of, you know, I, I call them just, I guess, sort of holding shapes. Anything can work in a triangle, sort of in a square, anything, because that's not what you're picking up. You know, when we're out sketching on the road and I have all these kids and say, all right, okay, you made this little dove. And there's angles and wings and beaks and things. Fine. But now I'll put it in a circle real quick. And you'll watch their eyes just sort of like, it just takes off in a different way. It rests. Mm -hmm. Then what they start to do is they start to say, wow, I didn't even need this circle. But I, I built this thing to work in a circle, right? Or I built it to work in this pleasing shape. And then they're there because if you go back and you look at the saw basses and the, you know, these even contemporary polishier stuff, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. these are things that you're, you're swiping. Every time you swipe your credit card for Citibank, that's a polishier. You know, every time you go and take a transaction out of every time you pay your bill for uh, you know, AT&T wireless, which I did a, a day ago, you know, that is, is some saw bass, you know, mm-hmm back to work and and that's that's the stuff i like the most you know it's not about it being cool or being um the latest and you know the grad the the grad students i mess with they're not they're looking they're only looking six months out what the latest coolest shit is and that's i guess what you do when you're a grad student um and then they come after my throat because i'm talking about this really kind of larger ubiquitous universe right well they're going to learn that real quick when they get out and get their first job, you know, real quick. Like, no, that shit was left behind. And now we just need you guys to have things that you know, make things that work, you know, mm-hmm. make things work for things that are profitable, whatever, you know? So, uh, you know, logos are just interesting to me because it's just sort of like, I don't want it to compete that little smiley, you know, robot head. I don't want it to compete with what you guys do. Sometimes if you have to make excuses for a logo, you're not, your, your eyes aren't on the prize. Your eyes are, you know, you're, you know what I mean? It's like now that you guys have this, this system to use, it just goes out and works. That's all I needed to help sort of help facilitate, you know, and contribute to. So, so Jared, just, just one observation I've had um, um, listening to this conversation is that it wasn't my fault when I was sitting in a hotel room at 3 a.m. trying to make my slides look good with a Lullabot logo on them. Right. Ooh. <laughs> Yeah, the number of times where over the year, my years at Lullabot early on where people would say, hey, can you make a Lullabot keynote deck that just puts our logo in for a background? And I was like, yeah, it doesn't work well. as a, Like you can't like have it subtly <laughs> off to the side or in the corner. <laughs> well, I, I, if I remember correctly, I ended up like chopping it and cutting off the Lullabot word mark at the bottom. And yeah, kind of making many, my own, which is totally off brand, to but yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, we're we're talking Lullabot, uh, and we're talking about logos and the Lullabot logo and all kinds of awesome design, mind explodey stuff that I don't generally talk about, right, Mike? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Coming up right after this break, we'll talk a little bit more about logos. Logos. (laughs) (laughs) And design mind exploding stuff. Hey, it's Avi from Midcamp. How are you doing, Avi? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Pretty good. So, hey, I hear you have a conference coming up. We do. It's uh, it's Midcamp in Chicago, March 18th through the 21st. I remember some, I don't know, almost 10 years ago when we were in Chicago in March and they dyed the river green. They do. It's super amazing. Um, (laughs) The Saturday before our camp, um, they dyed the river green. uh, It's St. Patrick's Day in Chicago. It's a a huge festival. Um, There's going to be parades. There's going to be the river dying. Um, We're going to work on organizing some trips to to get people out for that if they come in early. Um, Nice. Our our, our tagline this year is... uh, Come for the river dying and stay for the community. <laughs> That'll be fun. So, what are you what are you expecting at, at the camp Wednesday the eighteenth? Um, we've got uh, paid trainings and uh, a couple summits. Thursday, Friday, we've got a lot of great sessions um, that are all picked and accepted and up on the website. Uh, and then Saturday is um, is our contribution day. We've got some socials going on too. We've got a game night on Thursday that are, that's always super fun. So it should be a great time. Cool. Well, thanks for coming on and telling us about it. What's your website again? The website is midcamp.org. Um, we've got ticket info up there, sponsor information, um, and all of the sessions and details. So come on down. Welcome back to the Lullabot podcast. We're talking about uh, logos and design and uh, general mind exploding stuff, as Matt Cleave puts it, <laughs> <laughs> with a uh, certified logo master, I think, uh, Aaron Draplin. And we also have on with us our creative director, Jared Ponchat. So, Mike, one thing I was kind of noticing when Aaron was talking about um, making the logo scale from a, a thumbnail to you know a billboard or however big you want to go, and, and it still looks good. Um, yeah, I was kind of noticing maybe a comparison to the way the web has evolved over the last 10 or so years, 10 or 12 years with responsive so. design. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could, I, I could see that, you know, back in, think, you know, think about the small version first and figure yeah. out how it's going to grow. Am, am I wrong? Designer guys. When, when I talk with Aaron, like I gave him like this dock of like, information and all the tried to kind of dump what work we had done and research and stuff. But really there was a short list of like, ultimately, as long as you can still hit the sort of fun, friendly, um, that, that thing, like the things we were trying to fix were complexity, fragility, and shape. And so like we needed it to work small. And so Mm -hmm. Aaron started small, like our, I mean, I, I don't know, Aaron, if you want to, talk at all about like your actual process or how you do that but you know when we were first looking at stuff together it was like quick little roughs that were very small and do they work in the web header you know yeah yeah i mean i think like anything a lot of the questions i get on the road are well how do you sell a logo there's you know entertaining little clips i can say like well show them good work you know that kind of stuff but it's like no, first thing you have to do is you have to show context. It's too easy for us to work softball and above. Everything looks great in a PDF, right? Everything, you know, if I'm just trying to sell just Jared and say, hey, it looks good, right? No, 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 no. You have to go slam it on that header and say, Monday morning, if you bought this today and Monday morning is when we go and we jam it on there, 
does it work? We don't want you to be blindsided that that thing, it's the wrong red or it's the, the little ear pieces are too close to the thing. And when you jam it down, they suddenly become part of that. So we just made that part. See, that's, what's interesting is what you learn when you can take an audit and say, this is where, this is actually where we're operating. Because, you know, that's not really where we go. We go to things like T-shirts and water bottle stickers and the fun stuff, right? The things that, you know, like you get a piece of merch and you say, cool, this is the stuff that shouldn't even be happening. But that's not really where we need to look. You know, it's like I did a thing for a, a pretty large um, um, grocery store, but they were competing in Burlington, Vermont, where, where it was, they were competing with Trader Joe's and, um, you know, sort of whatever their the, the kind of other indie sort of things around, you know, Burlington, Vermont is like this earthy place that can support these things. Uh, you go to the next town down, Manchester, you know, uh, Manchester, New Hampshire, where it's a little more like you're going to get like, you know, their Safeway version, which is just where regular people go and shop. Well, when you look at those things, their primary colors. It's like just they're inviting, come in, you know, value save or whatever you want to call it. Like the place we go to here is called Safeway, right? And that isn't the coolest place. You can go down to Whole Foods or Whole Paycheck or whatever you want to do, call it. You can go down to those places, of course. We have a ton of that here in Portland, but there they were starting from this really interesting spot. So the, what we realized in the audit was like, you know, we're really where you're going to see this logo. It's not when you walk in, it's not embroidered on the nice little things. It's like on every receipt. What about how many, how many little things of, you know, inedible, unedible little glops of kale uh, salad do you guys sell? Because every day when they were doing those little, like, you know, from the deli counter, that's a big part of their business. They had a logo in a crappy little bitmap. What do you call it? You know, like the little digitized logo that you know, comes out of this. Yeah. Little, the little heat printer or whatever. That's where the thing had to work because that was a hundred thousand impressions versus, you know, like over the course of three or four months, you know, over the course, instead of, you know, one cool thing on like the, you know, even on the side of the bag or something. So we just, you know, it, they were, they were apprehensive that it was so clean and so, boiled down here's the process is like well what is a lullaby what is a lullaby what is you know lulla doesn't sound like something like i don't even know what's the even you know, something harsh you know it sounds like something soothing so when you when you back when you come into this thing it's like and by the way i'm seeing the bokua stuff now and man that shit's awesome that shit's awesome you know i mean i'm just impressed by that guy but you know but you made the right decision going with me. I'm just going to say <laughs> you're saying you're seeing that in, in the article yeah. that, that I mentioned earlier, the giving our it's, robot a tune up article on our website, right? Some of that's on there. It's just more. Yeah. I mean, I love that you guys took the time to go and show that process. It's, it's a little embarrassing to me because it's like, Oh shit, we're going to show all of the licks it took to get to the center of that Tootsie roll, which is already blown all the audience out. Cause who even remembers the little owl who did that? But I do. I'm 40. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> So, you know, laugh it up, 20-year-olds. Okay. <laughs> the answer is three, by the way. Three. When you boil that thing down, and it's like, it really only, it, it might only need to be this. That's something really interesting to me because that's the move that I see other people doing, web, print, or not, or whatever, that I forget to do sometimes. You know, it's like, wow, 
all it had to do was be an apple with a little bite done. That's <laughs> that really, you know, that was playful was, you know, had a, I don't know, you know, still worked well with others and still had these, you know, I mean, works that the size of, of literally three or four pixels wide and that, you know, by three or four by three or four pixels wide, that's amazing to me. So, you know, it, it's hard to want to go ape shit and, and not want to go ape shit and just go and do fun things that are going to be awesome water bottle things. But it's a little trickier just to say, wow, just the general feel of the, of the even L U L L A is just sort of like something soothing and it should be something inviting and fun and pleasant. Right. You know, it's not called harsh bot, you know, so <laughs> that, helped, well, that helped you know, sort of like, just kind of like get into the air. Now when you look at some of the process, you know, Jared, we ran into this when we were doing it. He was looking a little ominous, you know, this little little ominous. And we just kind of pulled back and said, but that's just not what you sound like on the phone. And that's not whatever. I mean, you know, who are the people you're sitting next to who are coding these things or whatever? Well, they're not that. And that starts to like, it starts to, you know, you get light shined on another path. That's like, this is the only path we need to go down. And we start to refine things. So, you know, right now in logo design, you know, it's it's really interesting when, you know, I don't know, you see the trends and you see the cool and you see the latest and, you know, all the, all the jokes aside of all the you know, sort of tropes that are happening in either logo design or color or anything out there with design type. It's weird. You can boil it back down to just the simplicity and that just kind of works all the time, you know, so... Yeah in the process of like, I don't want to go too crazy and sort of like my job there, my job, if I remember correctly, was to arm Jared to take that and put that back in front of his people and say, here's a way forward. That's my job. You know, that there's really no award I get for that. I'm not, I'm not looking for it. So I'm getting at, it's like, it's just my job to just get the thing done for him and make it so it's comfortable for him to take that thing and say, here's how we can solve this thing. You know, there's a, it takes a while to get there, you know, and you take a look at some of our initial things and, and frankly, some of the initial ones were just, I mean, from the very base before I add anything to it was taking the existing and helping refine that and giving the same little bits of math. Like for instance, you know, call it eyebrow or eyelid or smile, you know, mouth or something, that little bit of math, call it one point. That's the same point now between the little earpiece and his head, right? That's the point that starts to make up like three of those things become the antenna. And there's nice math because when you go and you see these things where a couple of years ago, there was these like um, grid line things where people were tearing apart why their logos were what, what they were. And you just started to see how kind of arbitrary it was, right? And then it became kind of cool to say, no, 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 no. The math is really, really nice. And that's exactly what, you know, what George Bakua is doing intuitively. He's just, the, the math is always perfect. The distance here shows up somewhere else. And I mean, it's like, so what, when I'm on the road and explain to kids, like when you're doing one of these cool single line logos and the, you know, the type better feel the same width as the line. It better, you know, whatever line is coming around and, you know, holding all this stuff together. No one's looking at that. They're just looking at what's cool. And yet when you, when you bring that thing down, well, to the size of a quarter, you lose it. You know, when you bring it back up, 
I guess it's like you're, you're working with um, restraints right out of the gate. That's the process. It's like, I just, it doesn't need much more, you know? And, and then it's just giving enough options for Jerry to be like, Ooh, these don't work, but I didn't see this coming. And I think that's kind of what it was. If I remember, I didn't see this one coming, but God, it doesn't even need, it doesn't need shoulders anymore, you mm-hmm. know, which was like, right. Why did we have that? What did that? Well, you know, um, it's just interesting to see like as, as a tactic to forcibly hold things back because you can find some magic there, you know? Uh, yeah. We also wanted to land at a, at a version of our, a new version of our logo that didn't feel overtly masculine, both because we didn't want it to feel threatening, like a robot in and of itself is a non-human and therefore you know, connotes power in certain way. There's like all kinds of things to be careful about. And so it was like, how do we still make this feel like the lullabot robot face, but make it less overtly masculine. And it was interesting how um, the, both the proportional shape of the, of the head and the rectangle, as you began refining that and then eliminating torso and shoulders and the sort of hulking nature of it really helped with that a lot. I feel like. Who woke the robot up? Oh, with the eyes, yeah, because the eyes were closed uh, in the previous logo, and now they're circles, which indicates that they're open. Yeah. yeah. I think that was a kind of a combo of things that led to that. The One of the dominant things was how, how do we make a logo that actually is going to function really well small, like that still holds together at a favicon. And as we were exploring ideas in that, Aaron – you can actually see in that little thing in the article, which we should link to the article. And when we release this, we podcast, definitely will. Yep. People, but there's a, uh, there, there's some iterations in there that do different things with the eyes. Um, the number of times over the years where people have n- mentioned the Lullabot logo to me when I'm working with clients, especially new clients, it's almost never been good. <laughs> number one, Number two, if it if it wasn't focused on like, man, why does your logo look so like, ugh, like, did you guys have a professional design that or not? Um, if it wasn't that, it was usually some kind of a question about the confusion around why is your why does your logo like are the, people couldn't read the eyes? People had they either didn't realize they were supposed to be closed, like because they thought they were smiles for eyes, like what and. So anyways, there was a lot of confusion. The more we tried to like reduce down the size and make it sure that like this thing's going to look great small, it, in my opinion, it kind of exaggerated that as a potential problem. And then the other thing was like, so the origin of the eyes closed were, you know, the, the name Lullabot, like the combo that what's it called a neologism from Lullaby and Robot they wanted to have this sort of, you know, felt like we're, we're here to put you at ease. And Matt and Jeff like played off of like a, a Buddha robot, kind of like a Zen kind of a thing. And I think that um, it just like, it was very, you know, well, let's translate that exactly within this logo. And the logo at the time was more of a mascot. So you had this big robot and they did, you know, it was only used on t-shirts and big stickers. And so it, you know, it worked okay, but it was fairly kind of, uh, in my opinion, it was like kind of on the nose, you know, like, <laughs> well, it's the Zen robot or something. 
Um, and I don't think we felt necessarily like we had to have the logo so on the nose, so to speak. Um, we needed it to feel friendly and we needed it to not be confusing to look at or not like make you wonder what's going on with those. Um, so in the, the dots for eyes, both, you know, kind of helped with this visual simplicity. It's way less busy, especially when you start reducing the size and kind of, yeah, I'm looking up at the fave icon now and like I'm I'm trying to imagine what that would look like. It probably wouldn't look all that different because there's, you know, maybe I don't know, at most four pixels for the eyeball. So yeah, you making, that, making that a shape wouldn't really change much anyway. Yeah, the old logo was when we they tried to make a favicon from it, one they decapitated it because there was just no way to make a favicon of the entire logo, so they put just the head. And even that didn't work because at that level where the eyes were, you couldn't pull off with the number of pixels in like the 16 pixel version of a favicon. Um, you just couldn't pull it off. You couldn't, you couldn't get that level of detail. To... Jared, you've mentioned the aerial rounded a couple of times. What font are we at now? Or what, what, what is that? Is it custom or word mark? The word mark. So the word mark got updated a number of years ago. Um, and it's actually, a custom face that's based on um, Freight Sands is the name of the actual uh, typeface that it's based off of. But it's basically Freight Sands where, where I, I broke it down, vectorized it, and then began building a new face using Freight Sands proportioning system. But Freight Sands, didn't, does, one, doesn't have a rounded version and we didn't want a classic rounded even if they'd had it because that would be too rounded and we didn't want that level of softness so it's just a custom made cool so uh switching gears a little bit um aaron so so you work for yourself and you, you said you've you've worked for yourself since 2004 is it primary primary logo work i know, I know you're also doing you're kind of on a on tour. You're coming to Gainesville, Florida next week, which I'm not going to be here for. But that's been noted. Now that's, been noted. that's been noted. Yep. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yep. Uh, well, uh, 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 way out of the gates, you know, it was like, how am I going to make any money, right? And mm -hmm. what those first bunch of jobs were, they were sort of retainer jobs with small snowboarding brands that were friends. And those quickly took off to where instead of it being eight or nine things a year for a small retainer, it was, you know, 80 things. And it would be 50 ads and uh, 20 pairs of snowboard bindings and um, a catalog with 64 pages or whatever, you know, 128 pages or whatever it was going to be. And before I knew it, within about three or four years, I had these sort of retainers, which were covered my bills, right? And then those were like, I mean, you're doing logo design because you're putting things on snowboard bindings, union binding company. I've worked for these guys for 12 years and, um, you know, I made the logo. That was the first thing you do. And, and then of course you pick the color and it starts to inform how you talk about the brand. And every year, you know, there'd be 20 different bindings or 18 different bindings or whatever it was. And that was 18 different little logo kits. So, you know, it was, I was a one-stop shop. I could, you know, the only thing I really couldn't do with these guys was, you know, build the website. So we'd bring in people and I would, you know, uh, begrudgingly consult and just be like, Oh, please just make, you know, try, you know, 
if we can't make my print look like the web, then what, what can I do? And I was pretty good to work with as far as there were constraints on the web. So, okay. That's where it started, you know, where I had these retainers and that was only out of fear because what that meant was those were substantial, but these logos would pop up. See, someone would see those things and it would start in the snowboarding, snowboarding industry. And then out of that, you know, you got into a little bit of tech and, you know, the interesting part is a lot of the logos I was showing people, they didn't even know that it was something I made just for myself or just for a buddy's band or just for a buddy's shitty little food cart, which was never going to take off, but at least, you know, he made sandwiches for a couple of years. People would come in. Is that be- the Cobra hot dog logo? Oh yeah. That's one of them. That's one. Oh, of them. that one's awesome. Well, what's interesting is there's no, there's no, I've never been paid any money from my buddy Corey. I don't, it was never about that. It was just about the heart. I mean, I love my friend, you know, and I wanted to make sure. Yeah. That, you know, it was, it was a great logo. It was, yeah, it was fun. You walked, you wanted it on a sweatshirt. It was like tough enough to, you know, for kind of punkers, snowboarders, and you know, whatever the hell skateboarders to be interested in. And yet, when a family walked up to it, it was just kind of this edgy, fun, like hot dogs, you know. So we were trying to do our job with that. But, you know, people would take the success of that thing. They don't know that there's no money involved. It's just me and my friend. They just see that it works, and it works small, and it works big, and all those sort of principles are right there at this fun heart dog. So I, I started to get these jobs where – I remember in the year, I think it was 2011. See, the philosophy was, I just met a lot of people who were really good at saying no, you know, and probably on a healthier level, probably, you know, to maybe better results, the idea that they would say, no, we're not doing it for this price. And too many times it just sounded really pompous. Like, and I don't know if I'm being, I'm being confusing here. Like they were just good at saying no way before they were good at saying yes, you know? We're not going to do it for that price. We're not going to do it for this creative control. We're not going to do it for that timeline. And I just didn't give a shit about any of that. It was just like, sometimes it's going to be a lullaby job or it's just going to be like, I'm just going to be a good little worker, you know, and come in and just try to make good things for Jared. Other times I have to sketch and think and start and co- concoct something with their help. Other times it's, I was open to everything. So like the year 2011, I remember I did something like, 65 logos that year, you know, and the folders, you know, the folders, it was something a week. Now remember, some of those are for a friend, some of those are for 15 grand or seven seventy five hundred or five hundred bucks. All of it was in the positive. All of it, five hundred bucks for a logo, five hundred bucks paid for my HBO for three years, or whatever tiny little things I was thinking about. You know, the idea that like other people were going for the gold. And then in our town, that meant, well, you only work for Nike and above until you go out to Nike and you sit there in those meetings and you realize you guys don't even like being here. You don't even like it. You know, you, you're wearing the shit because you're forced to, but do you even like being here? It scared the hell out of me. And I realized that you could stack a lot of crusty stuff on top of itself and make exactly what they're making out there. And I could do it in my basement with my buddies. Right. So I, I kept I kept the gates open. I would show everything equally on my website and say, here's this logo next to so-and-so. And it just got to the point where people could go through a catalog of my stuff and say, wow, you're a logo designer. I mean, I guess I am. One year before that, I was a little brand manager or something. I'm even logo. Does I mean, an art director for a snowboarding company out of that, you know, the first time I ever got to go speak 
You know, I mean, we'll just say in 2004, when you held up my hand, four fingers and one was merch, four fingers was just being a good service person for someone that came to me and said, make us this thing. 15 years later, logos are, are, are one finger on 10 fingers now. For me, it's 10%, right? Like, then you have these opportunities to go speak. And, you know, all these years later, I do about 40 a year, right? Wow. It's a little misleading because there, well, there were a couple of years where it was 40 missions, we'll say. But last year, it was probably 20 missions where 16 or something where I would go and do five things in one pass, you know, that would, you know, that, that covers five of the, of the 44 or whatever it was. So, you know, I think the bigger, the bigger thing is I was just open to really whatever came out of this, you know, and when you, you know, we were talking in the break about like, well, what's your, what's your week look like? It's like, well, you know, first of all, we ship a lot of merch. Like, where does that even come from? Well, that comes from this zone where, I just didn't really care if it was about being sold. It was fun to make things for my clients. If I made something for my client and it worked, I would make a, a little fun version of it for the Draplin Design Company, right? And then you give those out to your buddies. And then you give them out to your buddies and your buddies take them and they use them. And someone comes back and says, well, you know, I like that hat. Can I buy one of those things? What the hell is Draplin Design Company? Well, it's me. It's me. You know, and then it becomes this thing where they kind of scratch your head. and say, You look bigger than what you are. I want to support that. And, and it was like, you know, a crusty little band. And, you know, all these years later, when I hold up my 10 fingers, I'm probably about six or seven merch, you know, because it's like my girlfriend does all the shipping. We don't, oh, wow. we don't need to have a, we don't, well, I, I pay her handsomely and we don't need to have a studio or like a, I don't know, a situation where there's a bunch of kids running around. We keep it just big enough to be profitable and, you know, viciously profitable and, now I you know, sell a lot of stuff to where I don't have to wait for a client to come to me now and say, here is this thing, help us with it. I just go and be the client. And you know, the first time that really happened was with Field Notes is where I couldn't find ones I liked. I made my own. I made enough to give out to friends, you know, to say, hey, here is, you know, just use this thing. Well, what is it? What? Well, when I went to Milan, Italy, and I bought a bunch of moleskin, they were cool, but I realized it's just, they were, they were kind of fibbing when they said that Van Gogh used these things. It broke my heart. You know, I really thought like, no, this is the brand that goes all the way back to 1880 and, you know, south of France or something. No, it wasn't. It, that was just marketing, you know, and, and, and there was something that hurt about that. So then, you, you know, okay, the best things in life are the things that aren't, they're real, they're authentic. And could we make it? you know, be our story like that way. And that's all it could ever be. I didn't have the money to make it anything bigger or even have money to try to go copyright things. It was only from my little corner. So that thing becomes this thing. It starts to take off. I get it in the hands of Jim Kudal. And what you realize is like, instead of waiting for someone to be a field notes out there around us, we just went and did it. And it was really intoxicating, you know, because we don't need to go and try to redo that nine more times. We just need to make that thing comfortable and work. And, you know, four, 13, 12 years later, Field Notes is this thing. It's never had a penny of debt. We hire 14 or 15 people. I mean, we make a nice little cut at the end of the year. It's nothing crazy, but it's healthy, you know, and it's us. And we get to be as creative as we want to be or pull back. And you know, luckily there's adults who run it, right? So when you know, people say, what's your week look like? Well, one day it might be Jim saying, 
I need, I need this little component built for this thing. Okay, cool. You, you know, just, he lies to me because he knows I'll just abuse it and make it, you know, it'll show up, you know, in two weeks. It might be just knock this thing out. The next day I'm halfway through um, a rock and roll uh, festival thing. It's called The Thing up in Seattle. And, um, you know, we're working on the poster for that. And tomorrow I have to do merch, which is, I've got probably about 50 stores that are stockists. And those things come up a couple a month. So tomorrow will be the day that I sort of build and fill all the orders that just go out to other people's stores. Right. And then Thursday we're, you know, we'll be taken off to Florida to go do five days of this stuff or whatever, whenever that comes up, you know, Friday might just be a day of like, I'm just going to take the day off. I'm going to take the day off and clean. Right. And, and, you know, I, I'm getting better at how to like, what's a week look like the last 10 days. I haven't done shit, you know, and like, where does that sort of factor in? It's because for the last five months, I was on the road a ton, you know, and like, you know, when, when I'm on the road and people say to me, well, what, what things are you watching on Netflix? And I just look at them like, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not, you know, and it's, it's an honest answer. It's because I'm on planes and stuff. Right. And that is this weird thing that makes me shudder because it's like, I know that it's layered in like just, you know, it's dripping with so many privileges I never, ever thought I'd have to be gone that much and to be on the road. But, you know, until I show up in Florida, it sounds all cool. When I get on the ground with those kids, they climb all over me, you know? It's not this thing that I just get to go and just talk. Like, I'm problem solving with them. I'm, you know, sometimes kids are crying in front of me, you know, showing me their portfolio or, you know, it's like I'm like a little therapist some days where it's like, they're having a hard go and I'm, they're a fan of what I do, but I'm super approachable. And then I get to be the person where they break down in front of that happens. Right. Any, anything you're coming out with or have just come out with the, oh. the Timex or anything you want to make sure people know about? Let me get a word in here edgewise. Will you? Uh, 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 <laughs> well, I mean, as part of, you know, freeing myself up from worrying about where the next thing is going to come land in my lap. You know, it's allowed me to scheme up um, my own merch for years now. And like we just did this thing for it with Timex. Now, first of all, we made a watch. Timex came to me and said, hey, here's this chassis. Here's what we do. I knew it right away because I had one of these when I was a kid in high school. And the reason I had one is you could afford it, you know, and they might have been 25 bucks or something. I mean, I was you know, delivering pizza or whatever. I remember having this thing. I needed a watch. Well, in the world we're in now, I use my phone, right? We all use our phone, but I miss watches. I used to work for Nixon watches back in like 2002 uh, when I moved to Portland and uh, it was cool. It was, you know, there were these things, you know, it, it was action sports based, but it was like we were making them, we were elevating them out of skate and snow and surf shops just by, with our design. That was, that was really fun. Um, and yet people were still wearing watches a lot then. So all these years later, these guys come to me and the most exciting part about it was before I said, yes, when you just went and looked at the Timex spectrum and I would look all the time because I'm a fan of like how to pack a lot of something into a little circle, you know, and if you're really, really minimal, like a diesel watch, that's interesting to me. And if you're really, really complex, like one of these tachometer or whatever the hell thing, crazy, you know, chronograph things. That's really interesting to me that they can pack that much into that, you know, 10 pounds into a five pound bag. My favorite thing about this was when they came to me and you went and looked, 
you could buy a beautiful watch, Timex, awesome industrial looking thing at Target for 60 bucks, right? And that was awesome because that same chassis, when it had a little bit of extra graphics and it had a little bit of extra cool and it had some little collab with Carhartt, they were 300 or 250 bucks at these cool stores in Berlin or something where I'd be on the road and I'd be in this cool store, which tells you it's cool. None of the shit fits me. There's no big and tall section at Carhartt Berlin. Let me tell you right now. But when you go into that, you're like, why, why is that thing 300 bucks? It's because they can, right? It's because they jacked it up and they know it's limited and blah, blah, blah. Who gives a shit about any of that? I just don't. Our field notes are 999. So when these guys say, what can I do to make this thing? They say, you can have an orange band. You can have an anodized little crown and this and that. And you can put your graphics and have your typeface. They cost us 43 bucks, right? That's what it costs. And that's what I buy them from Timex for. Before I did a collab with these guys, it was like, can I just make some? Is that, how many do you even have to make? And they made some exceptions. And what we did was we did 250 and the order would have been put in about four months ago. And about, I think it was like uh, the 18th or something of December, they they show up. I put the link up and, you know, because I sell my merch at really fair prices, you know, there's pencils for a buck, you know, and there's, and they last forever. They're good American made pencils. Um, posters. I don't sell my posters for 230 bucks, cool art or not. They're 30 or 35 bucks. It covers my cost. It covers the shipping. It covers the stuff. And it's, kind of a, you know, a big middle finger to people who think that, no, 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 this is my art on a screen printed poster, or it's my art on some digital thing. First of all, none of our shit's digital. Everything is real serographs, you know, screen printed, right? Like the art object is intact first. And the idea that like, you know, I keep my stuff at a fair price. Like I was, I was terrified that if I bought them for 43 bucks and then sold them for 84.99, like they recommended, no one would buy them. So I, on a Thursday, I get, I get them in Thursday night. I put up one Instagram. These are, I hadn't said anything about this. The next morning, the thing launches, we sold 235 in 18 minutes, right? Up to 250. So what that means is when I do the first refresh and say, how many did I even sell a minute into it? I'm thinking it's going to say five. It said 50. So it was like, wait, one minute into this thing being live, it's already sold. What happens after five minutes? So we had to take the link down and, and cause I couldn't even fulfill 200 past 250. So, you know, the next order is already in and, you know, here's the thing. It's like, there's lessons to be learned. First of all, there's 235 knuckleheads out there wearing this awesome watch and it's working and it didn't cost 850 it cost 85 bucks it came with killer packaging and the story and this whole thing and the coolest part is it's a real timex watch it's a real timex you know and i just couldn't be more proud and that's just not you know in the spring we're going to do a bunch of stuff where it kind of changes and aaron draplin suddenly becomes this designer who does a little series with timex but that's just not where we started, right? It's like the first thing, first things first is just, can I even make these? Are you, am I allowed to do that? It's, you know, it's from this very naive standpoint, you know, and they allowed me to. And so that's something I just made, you know, and there's other things in the mix, but it's sort of like, 
the fun part about this is I am cautious enough to where if we only sold five, then I would have 245 to have on my merge tables for the rest of my life. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. That's the thinking. Let's just say none of them ever sold. And because I spent, you know, whatever it was 12 grand or whatever it was to get these things back here. Like, who cares? It still happened. It would just be cool to give them out to my buddies. You know what I mean? So that's a privileged spot to be in. It's not about a code. It's not about a plan. It was more just like, I got to make my dream watch. And it and it happened. It wasn't just, you know what I mean? So there's, you know, that's one of the biggest, coolest things I've ever made. Obviously, the book is the biggest thing I've ever made. The, you know, Rappin Design Company book. Pretty much everything, two hundred and you know seventy-eight pages or whatever the hell it is. You know, that's like we're three years into this thing, and you know, these New York people told me you'd be lucky to sell four thousand. We've sold over sixty thousand in three years. You know, it's wow. like, well, the reason being is we I fought to make them affordable. They're forty bucks. I fought to make it accessible. I wasn't going to write this big lofty diatribe. I was going to tell you what it was like to take my dad on a road trip and design it and think it up and go do it or what it's like to work for yourself. And so kids are reacting and we're selling a lot of those things. And, you know, yes, I get a nice royalty out of it, but the lesson learned is if I did it again, I would try to do it on my own, you know, and just print them, make them. I mean, I know how to, you know, when you work for a big uh, publisher like Abrams, they do all that for you. Right, which is they write it if you want them to write it, they'll design it if you want them to design it. They put the files together, and I just, you know, I they were so surprised when I said, I'm gonna write it. Am I allowed to? Yeah, I actually made more because of that. I'm gonna design it. Wait, you want, and usually you give a shoebox to a couple of young designers, and then they put your thing together and you fight back and forth. No, of course, I'm gonna design it. So it's the only way I could do all my other stuff. So in the end, I wrote it, designed it, produced it, handed those guys a file, and then someone went and printed it, you know, and it it just continues to go. You know, we're in our eighth printing of that book, which is, you know, I'm really proud of. But, you know, the first day, this big, you know, this person has told me in New York City, like, you're only going to sell 4,000. We sold 4,500 on day one on Amazon alone. Like, like wow. day it was awesome. So, I mean, listen, if it was 45 or 450, or 4,500, I would have known how to be thankful for 45 or 4,500, right? Obviously, the 4,500 was just a tsunami of like, that wasn't supposed to happen. Now what? Um, it was really cool, you know? And, you know, when, I'm, when we're on the road, like I just got an email, you know, while we're sitting here with you guys, 100 books was just shipped to Florida. And they've got, you know, my, my buddy at Mama Sauce, you know, he's he's got the receipt. They're there. And that's a lot of weight. That's 400 pounds or four pounds a book, you know? So hundred books are sitting there. And when that gets loaded into that little shit rental car and we start to go and, you know, <laughs> central Florida, well, every trip I'll just say, look at that rental car. I mean, me alone in that rental car is sketchy, but <laughs> 400 pounds of, of books lighten our load children. And they buy the book. It's pretty cool. So. And the book you're talking about is the pretty much everything. Is that right? Everything, yep, on Amazon. Yep, you can see it. You can go find it, yeah. Aaron, do you have any uh, any suggestions for, for any of the uh, the young kids, as you say, who might be listening? And First of all, I, I, I would say, you know, 
even the, the two of you guys who were like, ah, oh, we don't really do graphics. It's like, well, you know, I, I hope that this is interesting to people who aren't uh, logo nerds and vector nerds, you know, like maybe Jerry and I am, but um, it's, you know, advice, you know, um, be a good person and, and uh, don't bite off more than you can chew. And if you took the job, finish the job. And if you don't like your job you're at right now, because you're, you know, your boss, the, the, the Jared that's pushing you around all day long, you know, is a horrible person. Well, outsmart him, outsmart him, do your job, you know, be a good, because see, there's just this weird thing where right now there's all this like, ugh, I don't even know how to talk about it, but you guys, you guys heard of Gary V, you know, Gary V. I, I haven't heard of Gary Hang on, v. Yeah. I, I'm not sure why though. Well, here's why, because you're actually profitable and you're actually working real jobs as citizens. Okay. Tony <laughs> Robbins, right? Sure. The, the big guy, you know. Yeah. 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 yeah Robbins, you know, you don't like your, your, your life, break up with your wife right now in front of 10,000 people. And those 10,000 people had to pay 10,000 bucks to get in there. I mean, just charlatans. But you're seeing that shit in graphic design right now where it's like, Hey man, we're just going to aspiration ourselves out of, out of, you know, whatever shitty situation we're in. And I'm really careful on the road to tell these young kids, do not aspiration yourself out of like being able to pay your rent. Like you're not, you don't like your job because you got a, you know, you got a, a bad boss too bad. So I had that too. Be smart, be a good citizen, do your job, give them what you need to give them and then go home and then be aspirational, you know, and that doesn't mean you get to just sit and veg on Netflix for 19 hours. You have to go home and punch into another job, which is how to get the hell out of the other job. You see what I'm saying? And it's like, so I just, you know, I'm really clear about that. Like there's just all these, uh, you know, 24 year olds out there who are selling this shit, you know, consulting and subscription services, and basically, it's just a bunch of bullshit. You know, it's blather, how to feel good about yourself. And people need that. I know people are hurting. It's a weird time in America. Politically, it's a weird time in America, you know, with climate problems, whatever, all sorts of stuff. Australia's on fire, you know, whatever thing you're hearing these things. And yet, you know, there's these guys that will just swoop in and just take your money and make you feel good for an afternoon. And then you quit your job and then what, you know? So when I go on the road, I am... Mm, I'm hyper careful that I just explain to them, like, what I'm going to show you today, it is hands on the hard body tactics. It is not, I don't want to say it, you know, just a bunch of snake oil. It's like, no, I'm going to teach you how to make your files smarter. I'm going to teach you how to connect this line in Illustrator in a little bit different way. I'm going to teach you things, not just talk about it. Right. So I would just tell a young kid, anyone, you know, for that matter hard work will, will, you know, there, there's a paycheck to be had there, you know, sure. You know, there's no one's just going to let you do what you want to do and pay your bills with that stuff, you know? And I'm just, I'm seeing some of the fallout of this stuff because I'm having these kids come up to me and say, but I did so-and-so's 19 step program for all this money. And I was like, what do you expect, man? You just have to go and work. You have to go, it has to go, it has to, it's going to suck for a while. I'm hearing you know? some uh, Midwest workout that come out of you. Oh yeah, there. You know, I mean, listen, I, you know, whatever I've been able to accomplish today, it's because I didn't screw off 
when I was a chairlift operator at a, at a, at a ski resort. I didn't get to screw off when I was a pizza maker, you know, delivering pizza. I didn't get to just quit my jobs up in the summer of, in Alaska when I was washing dishes because those, that five and a half months and that shit sucked every morning. You're up at five in the morning on that train up in Alaska, uh, washing dishes, you know, all day, 16 hours a day up to, you know, up to Fairbanks and then back down to Anchorage. I did that for five months to buy my first computer. There was no other way to do it. My mom and dad couldn't cut me a check. You know, it was just, well, I have to go do it. And that taught me, like, I'm never giving away a whole summer again, you know? So I, I sacrificed one, like, do kids even know how to do that shit anymore? I, I don't know. So I just explained to them what I do, you know, and say, when you take the job for Jared or you take the job for anyone for that matter, fair money like Jared paid or no money like your buddy's going to pay, you're on that job. You better finish that shit. You better wrap your head around it the right way. You better have nice emails and you better say thank you every single time, you know, and you better be a good citizen. And otherwise, you know, you're just seeing kids who are looking for these sort of easier way outs to become like, well, it's like some kind of Amway shit. Like, hey, you know, you listen, you can't visualize your mortgage. I mean, you can visually do whatever you want. You can think up these things, but you, you can't take a bag of positive thinking visualization to Wells Fargo, you know, 20 blocks from me and say, I'm going to pay the mortgage on my new studio with all this aspirational bullshit. You can't do that. You know, I can't go in there and just say, I'm going to pay my mortgage with how cool I am. I pay it with paychecks. You know, with, <laughs> that doesn't work. <laughs> Sure. Here's the deal. Someone got a paycheck. Yeah. I'm really careful with that shit. So when I go on the road, I go into this whole diatribe when I start out. Anything. They could be coming there just for free or they could be coming there. I'm you know, paying a big workshop fee and I just kind of stop and say, hey, I'm a human being. You need to stop me and mind me for everything you can in this next three hours. That's why I'm alive. That's why I'm here. Not this shit where I'm just going to kind of give you little snippets. You see what I'm getting at? Like, I don't know how to say it. It's like, it's just, it's just scary to me because there's a whole industry out there in graphic design. At least. I'm seeing it. And probably all this stuff. You see, that's what I like about coders. There's just no fucking around there. The code's good. Or the code doesn't work. You know what I mean? And it's like, one of the things you run into with the code world is they're really good with like sharing with each other. Cause it's, there's no race to be who's the best. You know, there's no race to be a billionaire. Everyone understands that like, you know, you guys are going to inherit the earth because I need you guys to code all the shit that I'm clicking through to buy, you know, some shoes or something, you know, whatever it is. And it's like, I'm a cake decorator, you know, I'm, my shit's limited. So in that community, you see how people like when they have a problem, they'll, they'll like share a little bit more. I, I really appreciate that. I noticed that stuff. Whereas graphic designers, one click down, they're a little more like, I'm not giving out that sauce. You know, it's just like, man, whatever. So, you know, we go out on the road and and I give it all away, you know, and then when I get back home here, I'll be working this afternoon on stuff. So, yeah. Jared, do you have any final thoughts uh, about logo design? No, Aaron, anything we talked about? Some of what you just said is one of the reasons we were so excited to work with you, Aaron, and well, really you. appreciate it. I've been a fan and a lot of respect for what you do and the way you do it. So I appreciate you coming on with us. You're saying that, man. I appreciate it. I mean, here's, here's what I would say is, you know, thanks for rolling the dice on I me. Mean, hopefully I was fun to work with and was on time and had nice emails. And, you know, the proof is in the pages. I look now and I look at that thing and I just, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty exciting to me because 
this isn't about being the you know the, the juicier the project. I'm I'm I am in trouble with juicy projects right now because no one can make a decision. You know, yeah, they're too cool and they're too whatever and they're too blah blah blah. But I know how to handle that shit. You know, this it's out working, and that is there's a paycheck to be had just for that. So, congrats. Keep it going. Stay solvent. Be good citizens. MTV UK. I know that's 15 years ago, but whatever that was. But, um, you know, thanks for having me uh, be a little part. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Aaron. I wish I could. uh, I wish I wasn't out of town at the, the, and I'm missing you next week when you're coming into town. It's really fun. It's really fun to go to Gainesville because no one goes to Gainesville. You know, I've been there before. And uh, it's just cool because. There's kids there that are hungry, man. It's, they're hungry. No one goes. So we did a workshop and we sold it out already. And there's going to probably be another one. Because, yep. You know, and then it's it's my job to show up and really kind of kick ass. And it's not about, you know, just soothing them with accolades. It's more like, what are you, what are you guys up against? Let's talk about it. You know, and we do. It's really fun. So it's a privilege to go do that. It's a privilege to, you know, sit with you guys and bullshit for an hour. So, um, all right. Well, thanks, you guys. I appreciate it. Thanks again. Thank Bye. Thank you much.